Hey there. All right, real quick, before we get to the first post-game show of the season, the IU Gannon post-game show, a couple quick housekeeping notes here that I want to hit. One is that we're moving the Banner Morning episodes to their own feed. So Banner Morning, for those of you who have been around for a while, are short news updates are about three minutes long. We decided to move them to their own feed so they could kind of stand on their own and so as not to confuse people about the difference between those kind of short news update episodes and then our longer shows. So if you want to subscribe to those, if you want to get them, they're not going to come in just the the general assembly call feed. You'll need to go subscribe to the Banner Morning feed. Just search for Banner Morning wherever you listen to podcasts. You should find it. If you don't, please let me know. Just shoot me a note, jared at assemblycall.com, and I'll make sure that it gets there. Uh, Our interns, Cameron Drummond and Dylan Wallace, will be handling a lot of those this year. I'm sure I'll chime in on some as well. Uh, And also, if you use Amazon Alexa, you can get to Banner Morning as a flash briefing. Again, just search for Banner Morning wherever you want to go, subscribe to it, and then you'll get it in your feed. But if you don't go subscribe to it, you won't get those episodes. You'll just get our post-game shows and our Thursday Assembly Call radio show on this feed that you're listening to right now. Second housekeeping note, we're in the midst of our donation drive, which those of you who are on our email list know. Uh, our goal for this donation drive is $11,000. Uh, and the you know as I explained in the email, that money really helps us cover the costs of running the show during the season, uh, which include paying our interns and paying ourselves, frankly, for our appearances on the show. And, you know, we really like this model of opening it up at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season for donations so that you can support us because it means that we're all in this together. You know, you're invested in the show's success because you've, you know, put some money into it and we're accountable to you guys. I mean, I think we would feel that way anyway, but there's obviously an extra level of accountability when so many hundreds of people all across the country and the world really uh, have shown how much our show means to them because they've, you know, invested in the show with a donation. So, you know, if you can't afford to donate, if you just don't feel like it, that is okay. You know, the, our post-game show, our radio show, all that stuff is going to remain free. Um, but if you really do find what we do valuable uh, and you want to support us, obviously we would appreciate that. The URL to go to is assemblycall.com slash donate. That's assemblycall.com slash donate. You can set up a recurring uh, donation. You can do a one-time donation. You can send a check. Whatever works for you. All of the information is there. It, it really does make a huge difference in allowing us to keep the show going, uh, to keep growing it. We use these funds also to help fund our annual trip to Bloomington. This year, that trip will be February 8th for the Purdue game. We absolutely will have some kind of event for everybody after that game so that we can all meet up. If you're going to be in town or if you're trying to think about what game you want to go to, we will be there February 8th, and we want to meet as many of you as possible Because as exciting as it is to get back into Assembly Hall for a game and see the Hoosiers play, my favorite part about that trip every single year is getting to interact with people like you, people who listen to the show. Uh, And so if you can make it to that game, we absolutely would love to get the chance to meet you. So again... We're close to our goal. Uh, I said it's 11,000. We're already past 7,000 as I record this a few hours before the IU Gannon game. Um, And so if you would like to help us reach that goal and fund the show for the rest of the season, again, it's assemblycall.com slash donate. All right. Thank you for indulging me in this brief bit of housekeeping. And now here we go. The first postgame show of the 2019-20 season talking about IU Gannon. Here it is. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers won their exhibition game against Gannon, eighty-four to fifty-four. It was a game that, you know, the first half was a little bit choppy. Gannon actually took a lead with like two and a half minutes left in the first half, but Indiana really was able to rebound from that point, uh, play well, do some good things, especially considering the context, which we'll get into, of having no Al Durham, no Devonte Green, and a very limited Rob Finnessy. So your freshman guard, Amarn Franklin, was there to basically be your leader. And all things considered, I think there are some positives that we can take away from this game and obviously some negatives as well. And we are going to get into all of them here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show, the first of our ninth season doing postgame show. So we're very excited to be here with you. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And let's start the show the way we start every show. And that is with our banner moment. And I got to say, for the banner moment, I'm just going all the way back to the start of the game. Very first possession of the game. Armand Franklin gets the ball. 
uses a Joey Brunk screen, goes in, scores, takes it aggressively to the basket and scores. Next time down, Joey Brunk gets a steal, gets it to Armand, kind of in a spot where you could push it or not. What does Armand Franklin do? He's aggressive. He pushes it confidently up the floor, gets it to Drace Jackson Davis for a bucket. And this was indicative of the mentality that we saw from Armand Franklin all night long. And again, you know, this is a freshman making his very first appearance at Assembly Hall, and now he has the pressure of basically being the only healthy guard. And I was really, really curious to see how he would respond to that because some guys, you know, they might be a little bit timid. They might be a little bit unsure of themselves. And Armand really didn't show any of that. You know, you go to the second half at about the 15-minute mark when the game was still a little bit, you know, a little bit competitive. Armand has a beautiful dump-off pass to Race Thompson for a layup. Demise gets a steal at the other end. Then Armand comes right down and hits a three. It was a quick 5-0 run. It extended Indiana's lead to 17 points and really put the game away. And that was the kind of play that you got from Armand all night long. He was very aggressive, showed a lot of confidence, and obviously... You know, the competition, it's a Division II team against Gannon. We've seen guys come out and have big exhibition games before, but I just thought the mentality that Armand showed to take on that pressure of being the one guard in that situation, it was just really impressive. And I also thought on the defensive end, you know, his ability to dig and recover, his long arms and just his defensive energy, and while he got turned around a few times and got lost a few times as a freshman will, he was pretty alert on defense too. So just... Seeing what he brought to the table as a freshman was extremely encouraging, especially for a team that is going to need him to play minutes. You know, even if you assumed that Rob and Devontae and Al were going to be healthy, Armand was going to have to be a guy that at least came in and played eight to 10 minutes. And he showed tonight that at a minimum, he's going to be ready to come in, play with confidence, and can just do a whole lot of things, a Swiss Army knife that is going to be a valuable player for the Hoosiers, uh, even as a freshman. Okay. Uh, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, which was founded by an IU grad and where they do everything in-house at their new production facility in Indianapolis. And if you haven't been paying attention to what's been going on over at Homefield Apparel since our last postgame show, you really need to go check out their website, homefieldapparel.com, so that you can see what's happening. What's going on there? Well, Ryan, Homefield still has the incredibly comfortable and now bordering on world-famous Bison logo hoodie, which is made out of their soft tri-blend material. That's my Christmas gift. Indeed it was, last year, I believe. And by the way, for all the podcasts and radio listeners out there, you should know that Ryan is more often than not wearing his Bison logo hoodie while ranting on the show, as he is tonight. And that wasn't planned in advance. He just kind of always wears it, so we just assume. Uh, And in addition to the Bison hoodie and the IU Basketball Champions t-shirt and the vintage sneakers design, which is available in a traditional cut, three-quarter sleeve cut, and a women's cut. Homefield has also been releasing an IU football-inspired design each week during the football season. So that got me a little bit excited. Feel free to tempt fate by getting the Nine Windiana shirt, uh, which now has serious potential to be the greatest called shot in sports apparel history, or consider any of their other vintage, unique designs that you simply cannot find anywhere else, and certainly not on material this comfortable. All right, now here's one final note that you need to know before you order. It's about money! Yes, specifically how you save money on your order. Because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Last year, the discount was 15%. And you know, it wasn't good enough! Nope, not for the best podcast audience in the world. So this year, Homefield agreed to bump it up to 20% off. Anytime, whenever you want to order, just use the promo code ASSEMBLY20, that's ASSEMBLY20, to get that discount. And until 11.59 p.m. on Wednesday night, that's October 30th, you can actually get 25% off by using the code ASSEMBLYCALL. Bags of cash? Yes, you will save bags of cash on your order. It's a special limited-time deal Homefield is offering to celebrate the start of basketball season. So again, promo code ASSEMBLYCALL for 25% off until Wednesday night. After that, it's promo code ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off anytime. Yeah, that's a big buy. It sure is. All right. It is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy, your bottoms line on tonight's Indiana victory. Well, a lot of different ways that you can go. And I think for as, as much as there was a lull in the second half where uh, I think there was a lot of frustration from an offensive and even a defensive standpoint at that point, uh, you know, I look at the interview with Mike Roberts going into the half, and, and he said that they really needed to focus on doing three things better more free throws, more ball pressure, and and play at a faster pace. And, you know, they really came out, set the tone defensively at the beginning of the second half. thought Armand Franklin, as you uh, mentioned a minute ago, did a really good job at the point of attack. 
they got into the bonus, I think, with less than less than or got into the bonus less than seven minutes into the half. And I thought the offense was uh, more crisp and they got back to doing the things that they, they really needed to do. And and to me, you know, that's again, we can put the competition part of it aside, but it is encouraging to see that, hey, these are the focus areas that we're going to go in with uh, after what we saw in the first half. And the team really came out and executed on those in the second half. I think you saw that from Franklin. He, uh, you know, a couple of times a little bit careless in the first half, had three turnovers in the first half, just one in the second. Uh, and so I think in general, uh, I, I was really impressed with the way that they responded to the mistakes that they made. And when they got, you know, into a lull, uh, the way they bounced out of it. And, uh, and, and quite honestly, another bright spot for everybody was Justin Smith, five for five from the field, eight of nine from the line. Uh, you know, if you got some kind of hallelujah drop to, to pipe in, that would have been the time for it, I think, uh, right. you know, with his free throw shooting. But I thought a, a really solid uh, performance from him, certainly more active, I felt like, in the second half, had some issues on defense. And I think as you watch this team, certainly now it's a, it's a little bit exaggerated with the guys that are out. But if this is a team that's going to play a little bit bigger, they're going to need Justin to be able to defend smaller players. And I thought that was one area that he did struggle with. But I think from a shooting perspective, uh, getting to the basket, being active uh, and converting at the free throw line, I thought there were some positive things for, uh, you know, one of the quote unquote X factors for uh, for this year's team. So sure, we'll get into the rest of it uh, quite a bit as we go. But, uh, you know, generally, given the personnel that was available and the way the game went, you know, IU, once they fell down 29 to 28, ended up, I think, if my math is correct, outscored Gannon 56 to 25 from that point forward for the last couple of minutes of the first half through the second half. So uh, a good response to a, a little bit of, uh, hesitate to call it adversity, given that it was an exhibition game, but, uh, you know, kind of falling behind a little bit of urgency. A lot of young guys uh, thought they responded well. Playing without your guards, I mean, that's that's some adversity for an exhibition game. Uh, well said, Indy. Ryan, over to you. What's your rant on uh, tonight's IU performance? Well, I said in the first half of the game, as close as I tweeted out, it's like, guys, don't overreact. There's lots of injuries, guys playing out of position. It's essentially a, a version of a practice. It's it's not a real game. It's a, it's an exhibition, and you know, it's it's meant to sort of test lineups and test things like that. This isn't necessarily the groups you're all going to send out together. He's testing things and changing things and all of that. Um, but I will say some things that, that were takeaways. I agree with you on Armand Franklin. He was great. Um, he, you know, look at the, well, look at the line, 12 points, eight rebounds, um, four assists. He did have those four turnovers, but three of them were in the first half. He seemed to really settle down in the second half and it looked more and more comfortable. Now, again, as, as, as you said about the competition, it's he may go into the first regular season game and not be that confident and need to build up that confidence again. But the fact that we saw from him that he can get there is is really impressive. The other guy I thought looked great moving around the court, looked way better than the version we saw last year, was Race Thompson. Race Thompson looks like he belongs on a college basketball floor uh, getting serious minutes. I, I thought he moved really well. I thought his shot looked really good. He, he took a three but missed it. But I thought the setup on his shot was great and the release was great. Um, just missed it. Uh, three of five, you looked really comfortable backing guys down. He looked comfortable chasing guys on defense, even out on the perimeter. And I thought that he looked great, uh, you know, battling for rebounds, things like that. He only picked up one, but he was in the mix a lot. And there's a lot of tips and, and things like that when he was around the ball. Um, and four or six from the free throw line. So I, I thought that Ray Thompson is a guy we've talked about. What are we going to get from Ray Thompson? Because he's kind of been a forgotten guy because we haven't seen much from him since he's been on campus due to the injuries. Uh, and redshirting his freshman year. I thought he looked like he belonged. I thought Jerome Hunter moved around like he belonged. I thought Jerome Hunter definitely was in a situation where he had the first game at Assembly Hall jitters. Uh, he had four or three of his four three-point attempts were wide open. And as he rose up, and we've seen him shoot before without a hitch in his shot, and he just rose up, kind of had like a little hesitation hitch in his shot. You're going to miss those if you do that. But I thought he moved around really well, looked like, okay, this is a guy who's going to play for Indiana. He's going to be involved, certainly. Um, so those were the three guys that really I was focused on and took away a lot of positives from. I, I really thought Franklin, um, Thompson, and Hunter were guys that I, I really eyed, eyed up and, and kept an eye on during the game, and they all looked really good. Obviously, as Andy brought up, Justin Smith looked good. And here's the thing about Justin Smith, and we, we were texting about this during the game. He can do that every game. The key is him just believing he can do that every game. I mean, he's so athletically talented and so physically gifted, and he's a smart kid, too. 
he knows he should know that he can get to the rim anytime he wants in college basketball. He should know that if he gets the ball on the wing, he can take two dribbles and, and shoot a floater in the lane and get fouled and get to the free throw line and make those free throws. He's got to know and believe that he can do that and not just against Gannon, but against anybody. He has that level of physical ability. So what you saw from him tonight is, of course, encouraging, but you just want to get him to really believe that this is not just a Gannon phenomenon. This is something he can do night in, night out if he really puts his mind to it and and, and believes in himself. Um, other than that, Trace Jackson Davis, I thought, nice little debut for him too. I, I thought, again, another guy who moved and looked like he was ready to play on Assembly Hall, on the, on the court at Assembly Hall. Yeah, obviously a lot to unpack there, and you know we'll, we'll talk about all these guys. It's interesting on Justin, you know, obviously we're for all of these guys we're going to have to see it against better competition. But a couple of things that to me were noticeable about him, noticeable about him is just better touch overall as a shooter on his free throws. And I thought on some of those little drives into the basket, a couple of those were tough shots, and he really showed some nice touch and some confidence. I thought his ball handling looked a lot more confident. And again, we're going to have to see that. You know, but I think when you look and and three assists, you know, we saw in the scrimmage, he got some assists. He got some assists tonight. That's not something that he's done. And he limited the turnovers. That is all good. And I thought his, you know, his two offensive rebounds, I think he both of his offensive rebounds, he turned into points. Zero rebounds on the defensive end, though, and only two rebounds total. That's got to get better. Now, he was playing more on the perimeter, but, you know, especially given the focus that Indiana had on rebounding. And I thought some of the issues they had rebounding early, some of those happened when he was on the court and he has to be better there because rebounding is going to be so important for this team. And he's one of the best athletes and can be one of the best rebounders Indiana has. So a lot of good, but as there will be with all these guys, definitely some things to work on as you go out of it as well. Yeah. On on the rebounding issue, I think that one thing that was a problem is guys were sort of chasing the ball instead of chasing their man and, yeah. and blocking guys out early. And again, first game out, that's a phenomenon that happens. Guys want to go up and get the ball as opposed to, you know, preventing the defense from getting the ball and the ball coming to you. Uh, on top of that, I think that also, if you're looking at individual stats for rebounding, it's going to drive you crazy this year because there's a lot of guys on this team who can rebound. You saw Armand Franklin had eight. And the reason he had eight is because the big guys were going in and going up for the ball. It wasn't coming down cleanly and the ball was falling to him or he was he was able to, to go up and get it because guys were blocked out. So, as long as the team is rebounding well, I don't care about the individual numbers. As far as, you know, Race Thompson had one, uh, Justin Smith had two, uh, Jerome Hunter only had one. I, I don't, that doesn't really bother me as long as the team is rebounding well. Now, if the team is rebounding poorly and those guys aren't getting rebounds and cleaning up the glass, that's where it becomes a problem. But, you know, you had Trace Jackson Davis with nine, you had Bronk with five, you had Franklin with eight. So, yeah. I mean, the rebounding was spread around to spots that you might not expect in this game, given who played when and and with who. Um, but I was fine with it. I, I Again, I, I agree with you that that has to be a focus for both of those guys. But as long as their guys aren't getting rebounds, I'm fine with it. Um, I do want to mention real quick, because I know some people were surprised when they saw Rob Finnessy come out there after Archie Miller's comments at his media availability that Rob wasn't going to play, you know, was dealing with kind of a mysterious abdominal injury. Well, Archie said on the pregame show that he wanted to get Rob out there for a few minutes in the first half. I feel like he might have even played more minutes than Archie was alluding to. Um, but basically said just because he hasn't practiced in a month, wanted to get him out there for some competitive basketball. And if Rob looked rusty, that's why, because he hasn't practiced. I thought he turned it around, Andy, at the end of the first half. And really, when Indiana kind of made that little run, you know, Rob made a three, had an assist, I think. So he really kind of turned it around at the end of the half. But I would not judge anything that Rob Finnessy did tonight because he hasn't practiced for a month. And I don't know if something changed with Al's status that made Archie want to put him in, but that that was said on the pregame show. So I know a lot of people were wondering about that, but that's why. And then, Andy, as we talked about before the show, he didn't play much in the second half, and Armand essentially just handled all the guard duties and you know did it about as well as you could ask for a guy in his and first And they really went with four... You know, they, they, he was really the only pure perimeter guy. I guess they had Demisi out there a lot, but yeah, I mean, uh, it was really their lineups were really weird. Yeah. But yeah, they, I think really yeah, it said I was surprised. It said Rob played four minutes in the second half in the box where I'm looking. I I don't remember that, but that doesn't uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I, and I wonder how much of of his play was the result of finding out that Al wasn't going to be able to go and just needing somebody and and basically saying yeah. you're potentially the least hurt of the three and maybe you can. <laughs> Give a few minutes um, because it definitely didn't, you know, if you, if you take the comments from yesterday, it didn't seem like he expected him to play and, and you don't really have a feel for if you didn't expect him to play. That's likely because there's been 
you know, somewhat limited practice and things like that. So he definitely looked like a guy who hadn't uh, practiced a ton. He did have that flurry at the end of the half that I thought was uh, that I thought was important in that you know 9-0 run to close out the half. Uh, but I, I would agree with you. I, I was hesitant to really take much away from that other than, uh, you know, he, he seems like he's a guy who hasn't, you know, just been able to get a lot of work in uh, at this point. Didn't play in the Marquette scrimmage, wasn't it? Who's your hysteria? Um, while those are, uh, you know, not, not practices. It's fair to assume that uh, his his participation there was pretty limited. So yeah, I I, I don't take he, he's one of the guys that I just don't take very much away from uh, this game for at all. Really, no. You know, I want to go back to Jerome Hunter because I it was really interesting watching how his night evolved. Look, this was not a good night for Jerome. He's rusty. We've heard that he's kind of rusty. You know, you saw in the Marquette scrimmage box score. You know, had some turnovers. You know, didn't do a ton in that game. What I thought was interesting, Ryan, you talked about his shooting. In the first half, it was off. He had a lot of wide-open shots. It didn't make them. We need to remember about this guy. You go back to high school. This is a guy that played most of his high school career in the post and really started to develop his perimeter game later in his high school career. And I thought it was interesting in the second half, the one stretch of the game where he looked really comfortable is when they put him in the post. And, you know, I loved how deep he was posting up, how aggressive he was, how assertive he was in the post, you know, got in there, was able to get himself to the free throw line. Uh, you know, one time picked up an offensive foul, I guess, for being a little bit too aggressive. You know, yeah, I maybe that was a crap call. <laughs> I did too. You know, maybe for him, as he starts to work off this rust, he needs to work more inside out. And we, I think we've looked at him as, oh, you know, here's a panacea for our bad three point shooting. He can be that wing guy. But considering some of the mismatches he may have, you know, he's a really skilled post player. And I hope that we see more of that because he looked really confident when he was down there doing that. It yeah, kind of got I'd him like, into the game a little bit. And, and I'd like to see him with the ball in his hands, maybe driving off the wing a little bit too, to maybe create some space, drive and pull up or drive and stop and let his defender kind of fall off him and get some more room to shoot. Um, uh, it, look, it, he's going to be rusty. He spent a year on the sidelines. I mean, you know, any, any you know, well, he was working out, he was doing this. He was no, he, he spent a year out of basketball essentially. Uh, he's going to be rusty and it's going to take some time. So anybody judging Jerome by what you've seen at, you know, Hoosier hysteria or this game or whatever, you've got to take the long view on this. He's a guy who is big. He's strong. He's a shooter. He can drive. I mean, he's a, he's a wing player. Yeah. If you want to get the most out of him right now, maybe you do throw him in the post and get him com- to get him more comfortable and maybe sort of feeling himself before you put him out on the perimeter and, and have him start shooting threes or create individual sets that get him the ball in the post. The one issue for that Jerome's going to have is that this team's going to eat in the post. That is where this team is going to win games. This team is going to win games in the paint. You have four and, guys oh, trying to post up on one possession. <laughs> I mean, so then you're throwing him in the mix with all these other guys who are posting up. Now, if you go small for a possession, you want to put Jerome at the four or something like that, that's an interesting look. Maybe you get a guy like Deron Davis or Joey Brunk setting a screen that clears his way into the post so he can post up. Maybe that works. I mean, you, you've got to be creative with it, though, if you're going to do it, is, is my point. And I think, look, I think Jerome Hunter is going to be a fantastic piece of this puzzle. If he stays healthy. It's going to take some time, going to take a long view. And maybe, yeah, you set some individual sets up for him where, hey, we're going to go smaller. We're going to set cross screens for you, get you on the block, get you the ball there, let you work and let you, you know, maybe get comfortable with being here. I, I think that they've kind of done the same thing with Ray Thompson. The only Ray Thompson just straight post up when that's a guy who can play on the perimeter but again he's rusty he's barely played in college and so they're letting him get settled with his back to the basket and he's looking really good when he's doing it so uh he's drawing a ton of fouls tonight with his back to the basket and also was able to to score some points um so again it it, it's you just gotta realize jerome hunter it's gonna be a long process getting him up to speed i mean his freshman year was basically a wash uh i mean it was a wash and then you know he's sort of struggling to get where he needs to get, but that's expected. And I don't think anybody should expect anything less from him. Uh, if he can get into games and start being a meaningful contributor by December, January, um, I, I expect him to get minutes before then, but if he can get in the game and being a guy who's giving you consistent production at that point of year, that would be a huge win for Indiana. Yeah, I think it, it felt like, I mean, I think he shot a three almost immediately after coming into the game. And, and I think the, one, he he is rusty. I think that's true. I think he's got to defend against trying to try to make up for lost time for the you know the season that was lost. I just felt like a couple of the shots were really early in the possession, um, and I agree with you, Ryan, that trying to find ways to get him the ball off the dribble and drive. I just don't know. I thought the movement 
off ball at times was was better tonight than what we saw last year. There wasn't weren't as many ball screens. There weren't as many of those kinds of things. But I do think that if this team doesn't move a lot and really get it spaced out, and, and I think driving lanes are going to be a little bit hard to come by for him or anybody else. Um, so they'll have to figure that out as they go. But I, I did think getting him the ball in a position where he seemed comfortable and was at a clear advantage uh, was a good thing. But but you can be sure that if he's able to get his shot to come around as we watch him more, there are going to be shots available because even you know Gannon on multiple occasions tonight has four dudes just standing in the paint. Uh, so if you can find a way to, you know, open shots are going to be there. Somebody's got to knock him down. I think he can eventually become that guy as he gets more comfortable being in the flow and, um, you know, look like a guy playing his first real game in, uh, you know, assembly hall and really trying to, to make something happen. Uh, you know, now he's, you know, that's done, you know, made a few free, made a couple of free throws, ended up fouling out. Like you said, I thought the one in the, in the post was debatable. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, you know, with him, it's an I think there's a curve in this in this schedule. I think, but I think we're we we can complain that it's not that difficult, and there are some things about that that maybe you don't like. For a guy like him, it's good. For a team that's already injured, it's good, and we'll have to figure out what happens from there. But I think it does give him the ability to come along slowly uh, and, and get himself in a position where when games get tougher and competition gets more difficult um, that he's in, in a position to be a, a more consistent contributor than he's probably going to be early in the season. And let's also remember the spacing issues were exacerbated tonight by not having our two most reliable three point shooters, Devontae and Al, you know, when they're out there, that's going to uh, help some of that. And a hobbled fantasy who right. should be the third best three point shooter. I mean, yeah. you know, that we uh, know of obviously Jerome Hunter might be, but we don't know yet. Um, hey, Demisey. He hit a couple. He uh, he's got, he's really got to work on his hands and how he moves his feet on defense. Like that's just he does. Defense was better in the second half, though. We'll get to that. We'll get. Yeah, we'll get to that. Let, yeah, let's break. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Gannon. I'm going to point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game and talk about some guys like Demisi that we haven't really touched on yet. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. We'll be right back. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 30-point exhibition victory over Gannon. And guys, it's time for the meaningful moment that you might have missed from tonight's game. There's a couple of them that I want to point out and it'll lead us into a discussion about Trace Jackson Davis, uh, because I thought he really you know, just flashed some of the athleticism, some of the instincts, some of the competitiveness that we you know, are already you know, really starting to like from him. The first play happened about the 1045 mark of the first half. You know, Justin Smith, who I thought played better in the second half than he did the first half. You know, the first half was a little bit lackadaisical on defense, had some really poor closeouts. On one in particular, his man blew right by him, but Trace came over from the weak side and had a great block and ended up leading to a fast break. Uh, Armand ended up getting it up to Deron Davis. We went up uh, 22-12. to 12. But it's, you know, one of the underrated things that we're missing without Juwan Morgan is he is a guy who could make some defensive plays from the weak side and had the athletic ability to come up and block some shots. And Trace is a guy who can do that. You know, Indiana doesn't have a ton of rim protection. Duran provides some. Joey Brunk really doesn't provide any. You know, we haven't seen from race. But Trace is a guy that blocked, you know, three-plus shots in in high school and is going to be a guy, especially when, you know, when Joey's out there, when you have plays like that where you have a poor closeout and a guy beats you, he's got the athletic ability to erase that. And that is a that's going to be a really big feature of this defense. So that was nice to see. And the other thing I loved was just at the start of the second half, I don't know if you guys saw the the shot of the huddle at halftime, but Justin Smith was kind of trying to get the guys up. And for some reason, Trace Jackson Davis kind of had this pissed off look on his face, almost like, dude, we are not going out like this against Gannon. And I was kind of thinking to myself, all right, he's going to come out and do something at the start of the second half. And what does he do? Comes out, scores on the first possession. A couple of plays later, he got a foul called on him, and he came down, got the ball, and went right down and scored. And it reminded me of Hoosier hysteria, 
when Joey Brunt got the steal on him and he came down nope. and scored two straight possessions. Like he is a competitive guy that, you know, and obviously, you know, he's a freshman. You want to try and channel that energy throughout a game. But man, when he gets mad or something happens, he channels it in a positive way and makes big plays, at least so far that we've seen. So, you know, Andy, to me, those plays. And then there was also a rebound putback Trace had where he was about three feet away from the basket and the ball came off and he had the body control to jump, get the ball, and not bring it down, but in mid-flight, put it right back up and score. That was and, off an Armand Franklin shot. Yeah, right? I mean, and you just see some of the body control from him. Like, he is an NBA-level athlete right now that obviously needs to add the skills. But, boy, you see some of that potential and some of the plays that he can make. And it, you know, it's not just athleticism. He plays hard, and he's competitive, and he's a smart player. Um, and, and obviously the most encouraging thing you take from tonight, Andy, is just how well the freshmen played in their first night out. And those were the plays to me that really stuck out from Trace. Yeah, that, that first play that you mentioned is one I had written down as well. I was kind of making a, a list of uh, defensive issues that I had seen, and one was you know that poor closeout by Justin. And then I was like, well, at least you got somebody like Trace on the back end to erase it. Armand makes a really nice play. Uh, up to Durant to score. And, um, you know, I think you're, you're going to have to take some of the good with the bad as you play lineups like this for however long IU has to play him. Uh, and I know Jay in, in the chat talked about Archie Miller. You know, he put this quote in here, I'm assuming from the post game on playing with a big lineup where we're going to get in trouble here early is defensively. I think that's fair. These, these big lineups are going to be, you know, really tough to, to defend. And, that's going to be an adjustment period for for all of them. But I do think having a guy like Trace on the back end of that uh, is really helpful as a rim protector and a guy who can, uh, you know, maybe clean up some of those mistakes if they are made on the perimeter for the time that they're <laughs> that they're going to be made, uh, which hopefully is short-lived. But uh, I did think he was good. I know Archie had talked about his rebounding at some point, you know, comes up with nine rebounds. Um, just a really active player, I guess, is the, the best way to say it. And I think you could, you know, really attribute a lot of the same adjectives to both he and Armand. I mean, that's what I would say about Armand. He was just really active. His hands were active on defense, um, really trying to get up into the, uh, the opposing team's point guard. Um, and, and so, you you know, those two guys come out and uh, combine for 24 points and 17 rebounds in their, uh, in their debut. I, I think that's a good sign. And uh, it, it's easy to look at those guys and who, who knows what this season looks like, but you project those guys with experience uh, in the program, in the Big Ten, playing against you know high-level competition, um, I think those are a couple of real building blocks, which is what a lot of people said when they got recruited. So uh, a positive thing for him, I think the activity level is going to be good. Might get himself in foul trouble sometimes doing that, but uh, athletically, uh, I think he gives this team a lot of versatility and, and can do a lot of different things, which are going to be important, whether that's defensively or rebounding. Um, you know, playing inside, moving off the ball. I think that's probably the next big thing for him is really to be able to move off of some of the other guys posting when he's on the floor. Can you get some easy buckets that way? Ryan, do you have some thoughts on Trace that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a five star player and was Mr. Basketball. I mean, he's 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 showing that and showing why. Um, what I was also impressed with, I thought his free throw stroke looked really good, and I think that was a concern last year a little bit. Uh, how would his shot, just the release and everything like that look? Because he wasn't a guy who really shot outside 10, 12 feet. Um, he's going to be, uh, as he moves along in his career, he's going to need to stretch his way out to the three-point line. I don't expect to see that this year, but it it's nice to see that he's got a release on that shot. I, I do agree with you. I thought that the bulldog mentality was great to see. And he's just kind of, nope, this isn't happening on my watch. Because, you know, we're talking about uh, Jerome Hunter's first game at Assembly Hall, and we're talking about Ron Franklin's first game, and, and Race Thompson really having the first time to, to play while having a full offseason in, 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 or having an offseason behind him and all that stuff. And, you know, it was Trace Jackson Davis's first game, too, and he looked like a veteran. You know, and uh, I think there was a little bit in the first half where he looked a little kind of, you know, fidgety and, and ready to go, but he settled in and he's a big part of what they did in the second half. I mean, you know, to finish with 12 points, nine rebounds, as you said, the couple of blocks he had and, um, and, and really just space the floor, move around, chase his guy, not really get caught up in, in anything, um, you know, too focused. He was very team focused. He was very, you know, not going to go swat for every shot in the arena. He's going to wait for his chance to go get a block. And um, all of that was a positive. Uh, 
would have loved it if he had finished that alley oop that that Franklin the oh, ill advised alley oop toss that Franklin threw him. But um, good for Armand for having fun though. You know, like I mean, true. I mean, he should have hey, taken the layoff. Is healthy. He's got a lot of rope. You're never going to get more yeah. rope as a freshman than yeah, what he has right now with who's out there. So you might out. as well take yeah. advantage. Um, but you know, one thing to look at with Trace Jackson Davis, he, he was plus twenty six, and, and and I mean, I know again we're factoring in the competition and everything, but Indiana won by 30 and he was plus 26. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a compliment to him that he played so well in, in difficult circumstances for everybody, I think. Um, And yeah, it was choppy in the beginning for everybody, but I thought in that second half, he really showed, okay, yeah, I'm here and I'm doing this. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let this, let this happen. I also think that, you know, one thing he can improve on is getting to the foul line. He got there three times, but he was playing, with some of those guys down in the post, he's really got to work on, you know, making sure that a he finishes through contact, which I thought I saw him do a couple times, and b gets that contact and is able to turn a trip to the line. I thought a couple guys did that really well tonight, uh, including Justin Smith, and and that's sort of the next level in Darius Jackson Davis's uh, development is being able to get fouled and get to the line, and also being able to step out on the floor and knock some shots. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go inside the numbers. You know, pick out the numbers that really stuck out. You know, one of the things that we've talked about on some of our Thursday night shows is, you know, I think we all think Indiana is going to be more efficient as a three-point shooting team. The percentage should be better, but this is not going to be a prolific three-point shooting team, not going to be a high-volume team. And that means possessions are going to be really important for Indiana. And so rebounding is going to be key and turnovers are going to be key. And Archie Miller talked a couple times after the Marquette scrimmage that those were two things he was really disappointed in and how they performed was the rebounding and the turnovers. Now, I didn't think there was going to be much to take from the turnover number tonight because you've got a freshman handling you know, the bulk of the duties in Armand. You don't have Al and Devontae out there. I figured the turnover number would be high. I don't know what the percentage was, but it was 16 total turnovers. You know, some careless turnovers on bad post entry feeds, you know, just, you know, some bad passes by Demisi. Like we we saw the turnovers. I'm not really going to judge that tonight because when you're playing without your two lead guards, you're probably going to have more turnovers. What was really key for me coming into this game was rebounding, because even though Gannon has some size, we have more and we have better size. And this should be a game that we dominated on the glass. And for about 16, 17 minutes, we were not, you know, and Gannon was able to get some offensive rebounds. They were kind of able to play us to a draw there. But Indiana finishes up the game 39 rebounds to 25. I don't you all know I like the percentages better than the numbers, but I don't have the percentages in front of me. But the raw numbers are good. You know, and Indiana, yeah, I know. And, and, and Gannon finished with only eight offensive rebounds. So Indiana controlled them there toward the end. So I was pleased to see that that key, which clearly was something they talked about in practice, and Archie mentioned it over and over again, they were able to get that done. Um, and so that I was really, I was really pleased to see. And then Andy, you know, the other number that jumps out, Indiana only takes six free throws in the first half, 24 in the second half. They made 70% of their free throws, ladies and gentlemen, 70, 70% Shh, of their free throws, which, you know, you'd like for 70% to kind of be a floor, but hey, we'll, when you see that seven down there, we'll all take that right now. So especially, nice with a bunch of, especially with a bunch of big guys shooting yeah. them too, the other thing. Yeah. So that obviously jumped out. Andy, what numbers really jumped out to you tonight? Yeah. On the, on the turnover percentage, at least the way that I captured the possessions, it was about a 22% turnover rate. Um, that's about what I, I had. I had about 73 possessions is what I had in 16 turnovers. So, um, I, yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of the turnovers, uh, particularly on the Gannon side were on, you know, moving screens and offensive fouls and things like that. There were, weren't as many, uh, live ball turnovers, but you know, I use typically fell into offensive fouls or really sloppy passes. There weren't many travels or any of that kind of thing, but, um, from a, from a statistical standpoint, yeah, the, the free throw one was a big, big one for me because, you, know, you you look at the box score of the Marquette game. You obviously don't know how that played out, um, but but you saw that. And then you look up and you got six free throws in the first half, and you really wonder what's going on. And um, you know to be able to go out and get twenty four in the second half uh, was was really solid. And I thought that they you know overall will to get yeah. those free throws too. You know they were getting them from the right part of the floor. They weren't getting fluke fouls. They were pounding in the paint and and getting fouls that way, which is encouraging. Yeah, I mean, the overall, you know, kind of shot mix in the second half, they got 24 free throws, were 14 of 22 from the from the field, three of seven from three. So I think those are, you know, the kinds of, 
you know, shot distribution or whatever you want to say that this team probably wants. Maybe that's a little extreme to be, uh, you know, at over a hundred free throw rate for the half. You can't expect that all the time, but you know, you, you can, you can dream. And uh, I, I thought those, those were important just to be able to come out and get those keys and, and really balance scoring. We, we talked about that'll likely be, you know, a calling card for this team certainly impacted tonight by uh, who was available, but you had five guys in double figures uh, overall with, uh, you know, with Demisi and race, both with 10 uh, Armand and trace with the, with a dozen each and then Justin with 18. So I thought good balance from that, um, you know, trace and just, or trace and Armand ended up taking the most shots with five and nine. Uh, and, and the other thing, just from a defensive standpoint, I didn't get a chance to check out how these shook out from the, uh, you know, from the first half to the second, but nine blocks, 12 steals. Uh, I think, uh, we could all say most of those came from the entirety of the second half in the first, you know, five to six minutes of the game. I think most of those, um, took place. So I think we, we often use those as a proxy for activity level or whatever you want to call it. But I think those are, uh, good numbers from a defensive standpoint, as you look at that, um, I have not seen updated deflection numbers yet. So, uh, you know, maybe those will, uh, come in as we, as we go, but, uh, you know, those are at least the, the positive things that stood out to me. Ryan, I know you've been pouring over the stat sheet. What advanced analytics would you like to break down for us this evening? Numbers are my favorite thing. That's why I became a journalist. Um, 34 minutes for Armand Franklin, 31 minutes for uh, Demise Anderson. Those, those, that stands out to me. They, I think those guys were getting an audition for playing time with the other guards out. They were getting a chance to show what they can do, what they can't do. First half at time, shaky for both of them, uh, especially Demise. I thought Franklin, the three turnovers... Those are jitters turnovers. He was just not focused, letting the ball get out, get away from him a little bit. Um, only one turnover in the second half for Armand Franklin, though, in 19 minutes is impressive, um, especially with as much as he was handling the ball. So I, I he, thought he that really w- calmed down because the turnovers, yeah, he, he tried to make these really fast entry passes into the post without even mm-hmm. trying to get an angle. And he also he would get into the lane in the first half, and it's like he freaked out about what to do. And in the second half, yeah, in the second half he had a nice floater. He made a mid range shot. Like he really calmed himself down as a driver, which was really nice to see in the second half. And and what I'll say about about that is it's okay to have jitters and and have turnovers as a freshman. You expect that. (laughs) It just is more glaring when you're playing 34 minutes in a game when you're the Um, only guard. Yeah, so really impressive from him in the second half to do 19 minutes and only give one turnover up. Um, Some of the turnovers late were just kind of, you know, for the team. I I know the team at 16, but some of them, when you get into a blowout, stuff happens. It's You lose your focus a little bit. Happens to everybody and happens with everybody. So I was actually encouraged for most of the second half the way they played uh, without turning the ball over and getting what they wanted. And and as you mentioned on those on those post entries, as we have seen at Indiana over the last decade, post entry feeds are a skill that you actually have to practice and learn. And 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 Armand Franklin as a freshman will practice and learn that skill, and and it will get better. But. Um, yeah, so I think that you're right. Some of those turnovers were just trying to force things. You could tell the emphasis was on get it to the big guys because we don't have guards today. And and I think that everybody on the team, not just Franklin, did a good job of eventually doing that. As you sort of saw about halfway through the first half, they started focusing on just dumping the ball into the post. Just dump the ball in the post. Let Deron Davis, at the time it was who was in, let Deron Davis go to work. Let Trace Jackson Davis go to work. Let Ray Thompson go to work. And let Joey Bronk get some you know work in down there. It's that was the focus. And I think that's really going to be the focus this year. I think this team is going to hit shots on kickouts. They're not going to, this is, you know, they're they're not going to come down and set everything up to shoot three. These are not going to be the, the golden state warriors where they're firing 20 to 33s a game. There's going to be a team that makes its money in the post and in the paint with safe, smart shots. And when every, when the defense gets sucked down into that, into that mess, hit shots on kickouts. Yeah, I think a couple other things, Ryan, you mentioned that uh, points in the paint. IU had 42, so I'm trying to kind of do the the math here. I think there were basically three shots that IU made that were uh, outside the lane, but not three-pointers. So a lot of points right around the basket. Fast break points had 29. A lot of those came uh, really early in the game. And then uh, 11 second chance points. I mean, I think those are, if we start looking at where the points come from for this team, I think those three are going to be really telling for this group. I think the points off turnovers and the second chance points are important because it's not a team that's probably going to uh, run beautiful offense and do some of those things. So how do you get easy baskets? 
and the points in the paint. Another one that is IU really able to exert its will, as you said before, Ryan, are they able to use their size to their advantage and, uh, and some of those things I thought tonight for the most part, they did a good job with that. Although one of those mid range shots was a, a beautiful jumper from Armand curling off of a screen. That was, uh, that, that was, was really good. So it was great. Graham esque right nobody, there. Nobody here is a, a huge fan of the mid range jump shot in the analytical age of basketball, but that was a, that was a pretty one for sure. I am. I am when it looks like that. The other thing too, is fast break. That's another place where Indiana is going to get some points and they really, you know, and, and you look, they have guys who can finish. Trace can finish. Justin can finish. The fast breaks have to get better because the guards get better. And last year, Indiana's guards were not good at leading the fast break. I thought Armand really did a nice job for his first time out being assertive and, and making some good decisions in the fast break. And so that's going to be another place where Indiana gets points. One more note before we break. Uh, Ryan, what did you think about Demise's first three-pointer where his feet were basically parallel to the three-point line? <laughs> I mean, it's just Demise, man. Yeah, just going to let it go. Just, Just let it go. Demisi is who he is, man. That's how he's going to be. And if he turns in, if he can hit two of four three pointers in a night uh, this year during the season, that's going to be great for IU. It's um, probably more likely that he'll go four for four one night and over for four the next night. Of course it is. Um, but I'm, where my concern with Demisi Anderson is, is the way he moves his feet on defense and the way he holds on to the, the basketball. He had three turnovers tonight. Uh, he's he had got four assists too, which was nice did. to see. He's got to be able to catch and hold the basketball and pass it, you know, and, and not lose focus and just not let there are a couple of passes just bounce right off his hands. Now he was able to recover some of them, yeah. but he's, he's got to work on that. That has to be the biggest thing he works on and, it, and moving his feet defensively as well. His, his defense improved a lot from first half to second half. He did, really internalized everybody's, whatever everybody's did, but his was very noticeable. Yeah. And he, I mean, he and Armand, they were causing some problems out there defensively in the second half. That was, that was really nice to see. Uh, okay. Coming up here on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls. We will hit some other lingering storylines. We got to talk Joey Brunk and Deron Davis, so we'll talk about them next. Uh, then we're going to look ahead to Indiana's first opponent, and then it'll be time for last call. That's next. Stick with us here on the assembly call. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You get a weekly news roundup plus a post-game analysis email the morning after every game. Uh, do that at our website, assemblycall.com, or text IU to 66866. That's text IU to 66866. All right, I'm Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Guys, we're breaking down the 30-point victory over Gannon. Do you realize this is our ninth season of doing post-game shows? Ninth Maybe. season. Just slightly old. Did you did you ever think when this thing started that nine years later we'd still be you here? You mean when I was using a phone to call you so we could do these? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. My how, my how things have changed. Um, and by the way, I do. I want to take this opportunity real quick. I mean, you know, we would not be here nine years later without the audience that has supported us. Obviously, we're in the midst of our donation drive. Folks have been incredibly generous going to assemblycall.com slash donate and, you know, helping to support us. So, I mean, this has really become so much more than a show. It's a community. Um, and we just, you know, we, from the bottom of our hearts, we can't thank you enough for all the support, you know, financial, emotional, uh, and just your presence, you know, on the chat mob as a listener. We really appreciate it. And we're really excited about uh, embarking on this ninth season with you. It's going to be a journey as they all are. Hopefully this journey ends a little happier than some of the last few have. Uh, okay, game ball time. Uh, I think I pretty much gave mine away with the banner moment. My my game ball goes to Armand Franklin. Uh, he was Indiana's statistical leader. He was really Indiana's just energy leader and their floor leader with the ball in his hands. Uh, I can't really make an argument for anybody else. So Armand gets my game ball tonight. Andy? Yeah, I would, uh, I'd give mine to him as well. I had a lot on his plate uh, given the injury situation and who was out there. I thought generally acquitted himself really well. And, and as much as anything, like I said, really liked that he was able to adjust and, and hone in and improve on the things that he didn't do as well as he probably wanted to in the first half, uh, improved on those in the second half from a uh, turnover perspective, really thought sustained ball pressure was uh, was really good from him. Uh, you know, an, an IU guard 
kind of rekindling, you know, some of those early Robert Johnson feelings for me. So, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going to the extreme of some people who are in the chat, like proposing that he might be like only a two year player at IU. I think we might need to pump the brakes oh, man. on that. The, what, yeah, uh, that the, chat, the chat is irrational tonight. I like, yeah. I like irrational chat. This is, after a victory. this is what happens. This is what happens when you have this long, you have a, a incredibly lengthy <laughs> off season for college basketball, potentially one of the longest of any sport. And so the moment that you see anything, uh, you, you get excited about it, but I, I was really impressed with him. I think we, we talked about him as a guy who maybe was a bit underrated from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, and, and I think, I think you can see, that at the very least he's going to be a ro- a key rotation piece for for this team. He's not going to play 25 minutes a game barring injury, I wouldn't imagine. Um, but I think you see a guy who's going to step in and be capable and be able to provide minutes for the team. And uh, uh, I think this kind of experience is really good for him to get early in his college career and uh, and really help him as he goes along. Uh, Darian would like you to know that they said three years, not two. Uh, I no, somebody said two. Somebody I said potentially two. I saw somebody. That. Somebody said potentially two. I'm not just making stuff up. <laughs> Um, and by the way, speaking of fan clubs, is there any doubt that we are less than a month away from a uh, coach declaring his fan club presidency of Mike Roberts? Coach was sending oh, us. We do player fan clubs. Come on, yeah, but that's coach. He was sending us tech. He was very impressed with how Mike Roberts was leading the pregame. Uh, look, coach was not happy last year about the way the team warmed up. I know. Every time we would go to a game, or he would go to a game, we would get angry text messages about the lackadaisical warmups. And tonight, he was very excited uh, about how Mike Roberts was leading them through the pregame warmups. So he was. He yes, very excited. Um, uh, okay, now it is time for Ryan. Your game ball, Devontae Green. Ball. Uh, uh, you know, I was going to give it to Armand as well, but just to be different, uh, uh, this is where Ryan plays the contrarian to give it to somebody else. Yep. Yeah. Okay, you so know, Ryan's defense, Armand already gets it because two of yeah, us have picked him. Yeah, so. so let's, I'm already off the, the hook for having to make a decision or something. I'm, I'm going to go with Trace Jackson Davis just to get him some, some props, he, you know, 12 points, nine rebounds, three blocks. Um, you know, two offensive boards as well. He was in the mix everywhere, I thought. And then, you know, you got to give him credit for that for that early run that Indiana went on right out of the half. I think I think Jared was spot on with that, that he just looked like a guy who was not going to to lose. So I, you know, five and nine from the field, two or three from the free throw line, 12 points uh, in his first game at Assembly Hall. I thought it's really came down to he or Armand Franklin, and I think he could give it to either of them. I agree. I think Armand, because of all the weight on his shoulders, uh, I think rightfully uh, wins the award for the night. But uh, let's throw some some plaudits at Trace Jackson Davis by giving him a vote as well. Excuse me for a moment. 47 minutes, 44 seconds. Jared was spot on with that. Just want to make sure that I properly marked yep. that mm-hmm. for, uh, for use later. Okay, one lingering storyline that I do want to talk about that we haven't gotten to is Joey Brunk and Deron Davis. You know, we spent so much time talking about how Indiana pounded it inside and this focus of going inside. And we really haven't talked much about those two guys. And, you know, they really... They kind of had quiet nights. You know, Joey Brunk was very efficient. He had six points, three for three, five rebounds. I thought he was really tough inside. And actually, I think, if I recall correctly, all of his buckets kind of came at important times. Like, I, I feel like he would end like a four point run or a two minute drought with, you know, one of his little hook shots. And, uh, you know, so that was nice to see. Duran, you know, six points, two of six from the field. And, and I'll tell you the thing that stuck out to me about them. And, you know, you guys know Jordan Sperber from Hoop Vision, who's doing a video series for us for our private community. And he was analyzing post efficiency and really, you know, focused on those two guys. And one of the things that he pointed out about them, you know, the difference between what you'll see from those guys and from typical Indiana postmen and say what Kansas does, where they really pin guys and get the ball down low, is that Duran and Joey really catch the ball away from the basket. And so they almost have to take two or three dribbles to get in position to score. And, you know, I would really it's like also to a s- rhythm thing for both of them, I think, too. It's a one. It does two, seem like it. It, yeah. it does. It does seem like it. But at times you would like to see them, you know, bully their way down and get it a little bit closer so that they let's be know, real. Look, I mean, they make tough shots and they can do it. You know, but it would be nice, I think, to see them catch it a little bit closer if they're comfortable hey, doing it. And Race Thompson catches the ball really deep. I don't so know. So does Jerome. Yeah. And Jerome Hunter did as well. But it's if for, for Duran, I think it's always been a rhythm thing. He's done that since high school and he likes to have because he, he usually goes with a hook shot over the top. He doesn't barrel his way to the hoop on the Or the inside. little spin move that'll do. Yeah. 
sometimes, yeah, when he gets guys overplaying it. But what he likes to do is kind of do the one, two, and then go. And and he's done that since high school. I think that's just a comfort zone for him. You're right, though. He doesn't catch it as deep as he probably should. Um, defensively, I think he doesn't set up on guys as deep as he should either. Or He lets guys get deep on him a little bit and then uses his size. But both of those guys are going to use their size to beat people as opposed to using technique to beat people in, in a lot of ways. And Duran can bully. Well, no, but they have to. Use, I mean, if they're if they're three dribbles away, they've got well, to use technique. What I'm saying about Duran and his size, he can bully people backwards because no. of how how you know strong he is. So he's using that size to sort of push people back and then get in his rhythm and 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 get the hook shot. And Bronk, I think, just needs more you know time attacking the middle of the defense. At, at Butler, he didn't get a whole lot of time on the floor where he was a guy they were dumping the ball into and expecting points from. So you're right. And and I think that the the assessment is correct that they catch the ball a little further out than they need to. Um, with Duran, I think there's more of a of a method to it than just not getting good position. I think he likes yeah. to attack sort of from the side, sweeping across the middle. Um, but I, I agree with you on both on both counts. You know, the interesting thing when you see them, they're very rarely in position to rebound their own miss because they're often kind of fading away from the basket. And that's where Trace Jackson Davis, Justin Smith, those guys need to be aware because you can get some great putback opportunities because they do put yeah. the ball up there softly, but they're not usually in position to get it. Um, yeah, Andy, that, that that was what I that was what I thought. I, I felt like they let the defense force them into some pretty tough shots, some of which they made. Um, but in a game where for the most part, I mean, Gannon had a couple reasonably sized guys that you really felt like they'd be able to impose their will a little bit differently. I thought, I thought a couple of the shots that you know, Dron took that turnaround fall away. Like I just don't that was in, in this good. game that just does like there's really not a need for him to have to take that shot. So I thought they you know finished some tough shots around the basket, but I think allowed the defense to force them into shots that were a little bit tougher than maybe they needed to be. Um. All right. Anything else from the game that we haven't hit yet that you guys are have some opinions on it was we, an ex it was an exhibition game against Gannon. and i think we've hit pretty we're, much we're getting our reps you know we got to knock I, out I like some that, rust too. i like that ryan was was surprised that people were uh, not really surprised but but felt the need to comment about people overreacting to the first half i i mean I just, it's in in the same way that you still struggle to understand technically when we're recording or doing different things like that you you seem to struggle to understand that this is just what people are going to do no matter how irrational it, it, it can can be. you know will this be on the podcast <laughs> well you know and so hoosier hysteria wasn't worth talking about this game just an exhibition not worth talking about obviously any game no, the tip i didn't time say it was two o'clock you totally well, discount well, well, you put, <laughs> putting words into my mouth i said i think we've covered everything you can cover from yeah. this exhibition. hoosier hysteria was kind of a waste of time. <laughs> this is a little different. We analyzed. We had a lot of people that listened to that show. Don't you yeah. dare tell them they wasted their time <laughs> listening to that analysis. Hey, you know, some of the things we saw in that game, like Trace's competitiveness, we, we saw them come out tonight. So, you know, sure. you got a little preview of that. Who's your stare? Um, okay, so upcoming, we've got Assembly Call Radio Thursday night. And then next week, we do this for real. Uh, it's not an exhibition. It counts. Andy, Indiana plays Western Illinois. We've talked about the schedule, how it kind of ramps up. Even this this soft part of the November schedule, the softest part is in the beginning, and then you get the Princetons and the Louisiana Techs, which are a little bit better toward the end of November. Do you have anything uh, worthwhile to say about Western Illinois that we need to know about? I, I cannot say that I do. Um, they're they're not. Proje- I think they're projected to finish. Uh, toward the bottom of the of the prestigious Summit League, Ken not Palm on has the finishing, radar yet. Uh, not no, not on, not on the radar. Uh, barring something unforeseen, they will not be on the radar. But they, uh, yeah, Ken Palm has them picked to finish tied for uh, last in the Summit League. So they should uh, they should not really be uh, a great deal of competition. But uh, you never never really know what will happen and uh, and how things will go. But uh, yeah, not not a lot to add there. Should be a, a relatively easy game. I think the you know biggest question for a lot of people about this one is who's actually going to be available to play for IU in the game Gosh, and no uh, and how that how that influences uh, what you see and and how much uh, of holding some of these guys out is you know precautionary until it really matters versus is there's something else uh, you know there that might be a, a long term injury and certainly after everybody suffered through last season, I hope it's the former. Uh, and just really trying to, you know, kind of protect people and, and do things like that. This isn't a game that I think that jumps up to bite you. Uh, but at some point, you want to start to get some rhythm and familiarity that you don't want to have to be building against Florida State and Notre Dame and, uh, and teams like that in December. 
You know, the chat mob really never ceases to just make these nights so much fun. And there's always something surprising in there. I did not expect to read the sentence, I partied with Marty Simmons this evening. And yet, there it is in the chat mob. Well, who didn't, really? I mean, let's let's be honest. No, Marty. I mean, I think that started with a conversation about Armand Bassett. And of course, that would naturally lead into talk about Marty Simmons. It did. Not, One day not we'll have a, I'm gonna have to yeah. go review how that thread went because that, we're gonna that is, cover <laughs> covering a lot of ground in there. Don't worry, <laughs> we're gonna have an AC after dark about Armand Bassett. Apparently, oh so. boy. Okay. Uh, well, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. We are getting ready for last call. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 20 percent off of your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code Assembly20. That promo code Assembly20 will work all year long for 20 percent off, but until Wednesday night. That's October 30th. You get an additional 5% off. So that's 25% off total. They're doing this to celebrate the opening of college basketball season. Use the promo code assembly call. You can get your bison you know, logo hoodie just like Ryan has on any of the other designs that they have. If you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com and use those promo codes. Assembly call for 25% off through Wednesday and assembly 2-0 for 20% off anytime thereafter. All right, guys, it is time for last call. Uh, Andy, why don't you lead us off your final thoughts on Indiana's exhibition victory over Gannon? I think the one of the things that stands out to me is if you look down the list of, of guys who scored well, rebounded well, whatever the case may be, it, part of this is a function of who is available, but part of it is also something that uh, if you want to take the glass half full approach can leave you excited for the season. It's that it's either first-year players or second-year players who played sparingly a season ago. So we talked about Armand and, and Trace quite a bit, touched on Joey Brunk, six points and five rebounds. And then you had Demisey and Race Thompson, the other two guys in double figures, um, you know, with 10 points apiece. And, and those are, for different reasons, guys who didn't see a lot of playing time uh, last year amidst the injuries. And in Race's case, it was because he was among the injured. Uh, but I thought, saw some good things from him tonight. Um, you continue to hear good practice reports and, and things like that from him just about what he can do defensively. I think you saw a little bit of his offensive game tonight, uh, and, and I think that's that's a positive. And, and Demisey, quite honestly, uh, is a guy that if, if people can't get healthy is going to find his way into minutes uh, one way or another. And, and so you need to see more consistency from him. You need to see more of the guy that came to play in the second half in that regard. And, um, you know, the shot is interesting. The one where it's basically like a set shot. It, I felt like it was, I, I jumped more like shooting in a game of horse against my daughter in the, in the driveway than he did on that shot, but um, you know, went in. So I guess, you know, what can you do? But I think it's, it's encouraging. The That's what you want to see out of a game like this uh, in an exhibition game, get those guys minutes, get those guys experience, get those guys confidence. Uh, and if nothing else to me, I think all of those guys should walk out of this game feeling pretty good about what they did. Uh, in their first game of the season, and, and hopefully they can build on that. And again, that's where I feel like the schedule can help guys like that uh, really, you know, get some reps and and you know build build that confidence as it heads into the tougher part of the season. So, if nothing else, you take away uh, nobody else got hurt uh, except Duran. I think taking an elbow, uh, you know, to the head or to the eye at some point. Uh, and and wood, sadly, sure. and sadly with this team, uh, that that it has become pretty important pretty quickly. Ryan, last call. We only have to wait a week till an actual game, guys. That's it. We're only a week away from an actual game. So let's get excited. Okay, everybody focused, excited. Uh, Nice performance by some of the young guys tonight, obviously, is the takeaway. Um, Armand Franklin, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Demise Anderson even, and and, and Race Thompson, I thought, all had really nice performances. Um, Some of the other guys really... You know, it, just seeing Rob Finnessy get to play after the rumors we were hearing on Sunday or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, seeing him out there positive. Um, so let's let's get everybody healthy and and let's start this season off. You know, get the real games going and and something to get excited about. Thanks, guys, for for tuning in to post game and exhibition. Obviously, very few of you were in the stands tonight. Um, you know, look. We've talked all offseason about how important the guards are for this team, how, you know, Devontae Green really brings something no one else on Indiana does, which is that ability to, you know, to make shots, to create his own shot. Al Durham does that as well with his ability to drive. And and obviously we know what Rob Finnessy can be when he's healthy. And so, you know, any 
optimistic prediction for this year's team revolved around those three guys playing huge roles, playing 30 plus minutes a game and really being big. And tonight, Indiana had basically none of them except for, you know, a couple good minutes from Rob in the first half. And if you had told me that, you know, and then you said you can go out and win by 30, I probably would have just taken it because, man, that's hard to remove that level of experience and the uniqueness of the skills that those guys bring relative to the rest of the roster. And Archie said it on his pregame, you know, if you told me that we basically weren't going to get anything from Devontae and Rob through, you know, for October, I would say that's pretty concerning. And yeah, I, I would say that's concerning. And, you know, I think winning this game by 30 points doesn't alleviate that concern. Like it is going to hurt this team that those guys haven't been able to play, haven't been able to further develop their skills, haven't been able to further develop their chemistry with their teammates. And so it's going to be really interesting to see as November goes along, as November turns into December and the the competition gets better, you know, how those guys come together. But for tonight, you had to play this game with who you had and the guys that came after you know a really big lull there in the first half, I thought really brought it in the second half and showed us what they can do individually to where if you put that kind of rock of a backcourt that we felt that we would be able to rely on and those other guys can kind of be there to support it, you got the makings of a pretty good team, I think. And so I think that's what you were looking for in a game like this is, you know, flashes from a guy like Trace that really shows you that he's going to be productive. Growth from a guy like Justin, which I think we saw. You know, some comfort from a guy like Race Thompson getting out there, and I think at times we saw that. Um, so I think if you went into this game with reasonable expectations, given the context of the guys that were out, I think it's very hard to leave it and not feel pleased and not feel encouraged despite some of the issues that we saw in the first half. But obviously for this team to do any serious damage this year, they've got to have Rob, they've got to have Devontae, they've got to have Al back healthy. So we'll all kind of wait with bated breath to see what the status of those guys is for Western Illinois. Hopefully they're healthy and ready to go. And this team can really start to build something together. Uh, because the the thing about tonight is, you know, prior to when some of the walk-ons got out there, everybody who played looked like they belong. I mean, this team has only has 11 scholarship players, but they've got a lot of good guys that belong. And if they can get that chemistry right, you know, they've got a chance to do some things this year. And I think that's why, you know, we're all really excited to get this season started. And it'll be here soon. One exhibition game down. First game of the season coming up next Tuesday. Uh, okay. Uh, number nine, baby. That's right. That's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. We're out of here. I'm, I got to go. Who's anyway. on Thursday? Who's, who, who's doing Thursday? I don't know. Uh, oh, we're, it's the Halloween show. So we're so going to push it. We're probably going to push it back an hour. Uh, I should be there. Um, are you available? Yeah, I can do it. Okay. Sure. I think coach might be. I don't know. Andy, you're out, right? Yeah, I'm I'm out. Well, although I don't know. Ours might get postponed here because the uh, it's supposed to be just horrific weather-wise. So. Just play it by ear. But, but we're yeah, gonna do I, it now. We're gonna do it an hour later. This World Series is getting good, guys. Oh, good. All right. Three, Thanks for nine, being nine. here, everybody. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Later, cool. guys. Thanks, everybody. See y'all. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery: the Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.